You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. As always, it's your host, Reagan Griffin, joined by Eddie Sun and Julio Martinez. Gentlemen, before we do anything, you know the drill. How are we doing today? I uh, just came back from dinner, so I'm on a full stomach. I'm as, as happy as I can be right now. I'm doing terrible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Life sucks. No, um, no uh, I'm, it's a Friday. I'm thriving. You know, good good news around in the world. Good stuff happening. <laughs> you you might as well say it with your chest, man. You went on the last episode or two episodes ago talking about hopefully we have a different administration. Right at the end, you snuck it in there. No, I mean, I'm just saying it, it's looking good for you know the the, the president elect, but um, you know you, you don't you don't know until you know. So hey, I'm not man. gonna you know I'm not gonna report it before the actual reporters report it. If you That's if you go by if you go by the numbers and the trends, they are uh, it's definitely looking positive. But that's not what this show is about. This show is going to be about basketball, and we'll leave stick all the sports just, crowd exact, stick to sports. Get it? Stick to basketball. Shut up and dribble, or shut up and talking about dribbling. In our case, <laughs> um, but let's go ahead and jump into it, man. So we finally got word on what it's going to look like for the upcoming NBA season. The players have voted, and they have decided to start on December 22nd, like you guys were suggesting. How do we feel about that initial thoughts? I know you guys were uh, caping for them to start on the 22nd, and it looks like it's going to happen. Yeah, mine are pretty simple. I'm so glad the players came to their senses, and LeBron posting that on a story covering his face. Uh, I can, I'm uh, like, okay, I, I have some empathy for you, but again, they got four months off, and do you want to have an extra uh, uh, $600 million for the league or not. So it, it's pretty simple. So let's, you know, let's move on with it. And that, I mean, that's actually what I was going to talk about because you hear the news come out and then, you know, you see LeBron James go to Instagram, you know, post his story, do the whole, like, you know, do, do the whole, like, subtweeting type thing, you know, like, do, do the whole, like, what do you call it? Passive aggressive, you know, type type thing. And it's like, you, you know that he probably was on, you know, the calls with the with the NBA. He probably was on the calls with the league, you know, discussing all of this stuff that, you know, like, like I don't get why he would, you know, put that on Instagram after if he was just, you know, so busy with, you know, negotiating with the league and with the Players Associate, Association and everything. And, I mean, I, I get that, you know, like, of course, LeBron has less rest compared to most of the other players, but... It's just like it, it's unnecessary, right? Like I, I don't. It's obviously not a big deal. Like you can post Instagram, whatever. Those things get deleted in twenty four hours. But like, really, you know, like again, the, the players' association acts as a player body, right? Obviously, there's going to be some disagreement, but they come to decisions, uh, and and they have to stand at least unified on it. 
And it's just, you know, unnecessary that he kind of goes to Instagram and, and does that like passive aggressive stuff. Like, like we get it, you know, you have your concerns, but like the, 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 the greater of the league knows what's good in terms of the financial security and all of that. It's just, you know, so just antics. For for me, I, I interpret it a little bit differently. And granted, the post in itself takes it leaves a lot of room for interpretation, right? Um, and it, it, it's it's pretty obvious which side of this LeBron was on. Um, but with the the hand on the face emoji, I'm interpreting that as like a not like a oh I wish this decision would have been made, but like a oh shit, you know what I mean? It's like ah shit, you know, like my body fucking hurts. I'm not ready to do this again, but. I, almost like a here we go again meme type of thing, but uh, it's not. It's really indifferent, right? It, it's it, as big as LeBron is. LeBron isn't the NBA, and I think we that was shown. You know the extent to which LeBron's power is not. He doesn't speak on behalf of all of the players, and all the play all the players have spoken, and they want to start on the twenty second. And as I said in previous episodes, not fuck with anyone's bag because we're not doing that around here. So yeah, but like, of course, LeBron is not the entire NBA, but he obviously has more sway and more influence than, you know, any other whatever random NBA player off whatever random team. And it's just that him, you know, and, and I know he probably, it's not like he put a ton of thought into put, posting an Instagram story, but just, you know, that kind of messaging is just, um, you know, it, it's just kind of in, inconsistent. And again, especially as a player's association where you know that after these, this season, there could be really, intense, you know, labor negotiations because the owners want to rip up the CBA, you know, that there could be a lot of stuff ripped up and thrown around and a lot of uncertainty because of COVID and, you know, it dashed a bunch of the revenue streams and all of that, that again, it's like the players have to act together. It's not just the top dogs, it's not just, you know, the top five players, you know, doing their thing for the rest of the 200 or, or whatever the number is that, you know, I think just personally, it just would be a better look if he, along with the, you know, as like the big representative of the players and, you know, the rest of the NBPA just looked more unified, at least. I mean, maybe, these, maybe that's these things, yeah, I, I get it, right? Because you want a sense of unification, but, you know, there's no sense of beating around the bush. These things aren't a monolith, right? And what is good, and I think was a positive outcome to take away, is that in spite of the power that LeBron James holds, right, you still got the what the majority of the players in the NBA wanted. Even though LeBron James is the most influential player, arguably in NF- NBA history, excuse me, um, it was still a, dem- a democratic means of, of coming to the decision. And, you know, guys who make, you know, fractions of what LeBron James makes still had a, just as much say as he did, which I think is important. But again, I think something like that is just, you know, it's minuscule that'll be forgotten about in a short amount of time. But um, oh, for sure. yeah. Yeah, so, you know, LeBron getting a little up there. He might have to go play on the 22nd, or maybe he doesn't, and he gets a little bit of help from some other players. So let's get into some trade rumors. Was that a good transition? Can I get pats on the shoulder for that one? No? It's good enough. Good enough. I appreciate that. So what we're going to do <laughs> what we're gonna do is uh, I'm going to flip names to Julio and Eddie. I'm going to give each of them. We have five names down that we're going to discuss the trade rumors surrounding that particular player. 
Um, they're going to give me their insights on how they feel about the trades, where they feel like they could go, where they feel like they should go, ideal fits, what their value is, things of that nature. And then at the end of their spiel, I'm going to offer them a trade that I've concocted via the NBA Trade Finder, the infamous NBA Trade Finder. Um, and they're going to give me their thoughts on whether they think that trade is good, whether they think that trade is shit, whether they think that trade is I. We'll get into it. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. Are you gentlemen ready? Let's do it. All right. So for the first player, why don't we start at the top, man? Why don't we start at the top? Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's the best player whose name is involved in trade rumors. What do we think about Giannis Antetokounmpo's prospects in terms of a trade? Um. So, I mean, news came out today that he would probably sign the max, the super max extension, which I don't know if I believe, but, you know, that, that's another discussion. But... Assuming, in my mind, that he doesn't sign it and pigeonhole himself uh, to the Bucks organization, I believe that I would trade him mm. and just get a haul for Giannis because you would certainly get that if you were the Bucks. Now, I don't know where or what specific assets you would get in return, but I know you would get a crap ton in return. So I would actively secretly be looking to trade him uh if he didn't sign the max extension unless the the only way i don't is if i shake up my roster which i uh, i'm gonna come out with you know i have proposed trades on the table that on the table that i I think milwaukee can make in order to convince Giannis that you know we are about winning we are about you know acquiring talent and, and wanting to build a winning situation around here for you that's the only uh, 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 you know way that I don't trade him. But if I stand pat and keep my team moving forward, then yeah, I'm looking to trade him because I just don't believe in my team as currently constructed. Mm. I mean, I've said all along that Giannis seems like a guy who would stay in Milwaukee, would stay with this team. I've kind of always felt that he would, you know, take that supermax. He'll be um, a Milwaukee guy if not for life. Um, for at least, you know, the, the next uh, length of his contract. And even when you compare, you know, the Giannis, like all, all of that trade rumors and, and all of that, compared with guys like Kevin Durant, who did end up leaving, and Anthony Davis, if you just, like, put the three players, you know, and compare kind of how all the news shook out, it's really different because, in, in you know, Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant's um, cases, there were really a lot more, you know, trails. Like, there were really a lot more leaves that you could tell that, you know, they were a little bit unhappy. They were, you know, they had eyes elsewhere that, you know, they were thinking about looking out. A lot of the Giannis trade speculation, really, and, and it just, you know, it reads different when reporters, you know, like throw stuff out there. It's just that I don't think it's founded as much in reality as was, you know, in Anthony Davis or Kevin Durant. And it's like, I think I think really a lot of it is still like kind of fantasy that a lot of people maybe want to see Giannis out of Milwaukee and in a bigger market, but I don't know if it's really heading that way. So, I mean, obviously throw your trade, but I really don't think he's going anywhere. Gotcha. Okay, so we do know that the market has been set for what it is to trade a superstar in today's NBA. That was set last season by Dave Griffin, by the Los Angeles Lakers, Rob Palenka with Anthony Davis. And essentially what we've learned is to get a superstar caliber player, you're going to have to give up essentially an entire young core. That's what the Lakers did. It was Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram. You're going to have to give up an entire young core with at least one player that has all-star potential. 
So the trade that I've concocted, not to Miami, not to Dallas. This is a team that we've talked about before. Any guesses on where I have Giannis Antetokounmpo getting traded to? The Phoenix Suns? No, sir. <laughs> wow. Ooh. No, sir. I feel like I feel like you Nuggets? might pull something out of the hat and say Denver. No, sir. No, sir. None of the above. So, the team that I have and that I believe the Milwaukee Bucks, if they had to trade Giannis, this is where they could maximize their value, is with the Chicago Bulls. The trade is Chicago receives Giannis, George Hill, and Brooke Lopez. The latter two are more for salary matching purposes, and they really don't serve you a whole lot of purpose if you're not going to compete for a championship. Milwaukee receives Kobe White. Lori Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., Thad Young, the number four overall pick this year, and the 2023 no. first. No. No. No, no, no. What? No. Why? I need Zach Levine. I need Zach Levine in return. I'm not giving you Zach Levine. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I just want to correct your statement that you said that the market was set last year by AB that you had to give up an entire young core. Um, also, like, the Lakers gave up, like, you know, four or five in picks, picks and not even – not not recent picks, like picks six, eight years down the line because True. David Griffin knows that they're going to be good in the interim. You know, they got to bet on the Lakers being bad, you know, in the far, far future. So if you're giving up a guy like Giannis, um, a kind of somewhat of an upside young core, but also not a really proven young core without that many picks, especially this year's pick in a weak draft, like that's not going to get it done. They can definitely scour the market elsewhere and find something better. Hmm. Yeah. Julio, it seemed like you had something else to say. It wasn't just the picks. You weren't believing in the players. No, I, yeah, I, I, I need Zach Levine. I need the proven star. If you're, if I'm going to trade him to a team with that star, I need the proven star. Interesting. So, Eddie, what if I were to throw more picks in there, picks that were years down the line, say two or three firsts? Is that something that you think that Chicago or Milwaukee should consider? I mean, I don't think Kobe White, Mark Min, or – did you throw Wendell in there? Yeah, well? I, did. I don't think I don't think any of them has even all star potential. Not even Lori. So, I mean, I think Lori can be good, but no, none of them look like all stars to me. You know, at least last year. I mean, obviously, people are super high on on Lonzo. I'm not, you know, one of those. But Brandon Ingram was a guy that people saw, you know, in the in the 20 games or so right before before he had the blood clot issue. That, that guy looked like a star, and then lo and behold, this year he's an all-star. I don't think you get any of those guys in that Chicago deal. I mean, if I'm Milwaukee, you can you can look to Boston. You know, they might throw you Jalen Brown, you know, as a starter, and they have a plethora of picks. I you mean, think you think look, Boston would throw you Jalen Brown for Giannis? Hell, if Boston doesn't <laughs> hold do on, that, hold on, I'm, I'm tripping. I'm tripping because I, I registered as Jason Tatum in my head. Jalen Brown, go ahead, proceed. And then, I mean, the, like, even even if you have, like, Denver and, and you look at, like, Michael Porter Jr. And then, you, you know, like, as a starter, like, even that gives you someone with a, a ton of upside. Um, I mean, obviously, people have linked them to the Warriors with, with the Minnesota 2021st, whatever. I, I don't know how to feel about that. But um, I don't know. Like, it, it, I, that Chicago? Nah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that moves a needle nearly enough for... Milwaukee's GM so you can think about it. See, the thing is that's tough for me, and this is kind of consistent with a, a lot of these trades, is that, or at least when you're trading a superstar, is that you never really know what that guy is going to garner 
until he says, I want to get traded or I want to be out of here, or he's officially on the block, then teams will start coughing up. And you mentioned Phoenix. Hell, maybe Phoenix does cough up Devin Booker if it means getting Giannis onto the couple. We really don't know what that looks like unless the guy, we, like somebody says Giannis onto the couple is officially on the trading block. So that was my estimation, just given some teams, I think there are certain teams that could probably give more, but that wouldn't want to just because it would kind of mess their franchise up in the long term. It seemed to me that Chicago made the most sense in terms of a team that's willing and ready to make a move. That was my perspective on it. But apparently, it's garbage. That's fine. That's cool. That's cool. I can, I, I can, I can take it. I can take a, I can take a criticism. It's cool. Let's move on to James Harden. And that's a guy who, you know, it's really only one team that he's rumored to go to. But the rumors are starting to pick up a little bit of steam. Yeah, um, I don't see it happening at all. Uh, I think Tillman Fertitta is just going to refuse to do any sort of trade with Daryl Morey. But Petty. Um, I, I think the only way that they do do it is if everybody's talking about getting Ben Simmons in return for James Harden. But I, I just believe that everyone values uh, uh, Joel Embiid more. So they'd, I believe that they would ask for Joel Embiid and uh, uh Tobias Harris plus getting rid of Eric Gordon's contract and noticing that you know Philly needs shooters that's how that that's another reason or another way to get off of Eric Gordon's contract but yeah I think they they would probably ask for Joel Embiid Tobias Harris and probably another solid player on the team I'm with you that I don't see it happening and just want to circle back um to the new that you know Stephen Silas kind of uh, had a press conference and he was talking about that the offense would look a lot different than it did under Mike D'Antoni, that he would wrinkle in a lot more, you know, actions. It's not just ISO pick and roll heavy that, you know, of course there would be a lot of ISO ball, but he might involve, you know, Harden and Westbrook in some more actions than we've seen, you know, in the last season, the last couple of seasons. And that's something I really want to see because I, I again, like really love Steven Silas and what he does. And I think, you know, if he infuses in, you know, creativity to this offense, like we haven't seen it in a while. It can be, it can be really interesting. And that being said, again, like James Harden is Houston's guy. Like that's kind of their crown jewel. Like that, that's just not a guy. I think Houston is parting ways with, um, even, even, you know, a couple years down the line, I don't think it's going to happen. Like Harden is the Rockets franchise right now. Mm. So I'll say this, and I agree that I don't think Houston willingly parts ways with James Harden. But if I put myself in James Harden's shoes and I just devoted however many years to this system with Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni in this in this um, promise of, of we're going to maximize this team. And I put all my faith and trust into the way that they were going to build this team around me. Right now, Daryl Morey's out. Now, D'Antoni dipped. And now I'm left here with a really kind of weird looking roster, a brand spanking new head coach, a guy that I really don't fit in playing next to no center. Am I not at least considering maybe I don't want to be here anymore? That, 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 I mean, I think if he really wants to win, there's the, the, there's no way. or I don't want to say there's no way, but I feel like their window has, has closed. So, I mean, th- that's the only real uh, plausible you know, way that James Harden is going to get traded if he forces his, you know, his way out and, you know, mentions Philly – or any other uh, city as a preferred destination. I mean, some people on Twitter have suggested that because of the coaching changes and because of the situation that Harden might get frustrated and there might be some, 
you know, asking for asking for a trade by midseason or something like that. So it could happen, but I don't know. Just as of right now, I think Harden is too invested in, in, in Houston and vice versa. You know, that relationship is too strong. Cool. And with that said, let's transition into the trade that I have proposed. Um, so, Julio, you almost said it verbatim, man. I have Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Zaire Smith for James Harden and Eric Gordon. Nothing. I like Zaire Smith. I, I really do like his game, but he can't get on the floor. So I'm going to need something else. Why not? Oh, in health? Yeah, he can't get on the – yeah, mm. he's always hurt. Interesting. I really do like his game, but he's always hurt. Interesting. Eddie, thoughts? Hmm. You might have to throw me, like, I don't know, uh, Josh Richardson maybe. I don't know. Interesting. I have another interesting deal with the 76ers down the line, but we'll get into that later. But, Eddie, I want to hear what you think about it. I just, like, I think the deal, like, constructed makes sense if the teams want to do it. Um, Maybe Philly has to throw in, like, another pick. I mean, that's tough. Again, like, I think the deal is something where if both teams wanted to deal the players, you know, wanted to deal one of Sims or Embiid and wanted to deal Harden, that, that makes sense, but again, it, it doesn't seem like there's interest on either side there. The only way I can see a Harden deal happening this offseason is if Houston wants to do a hard reset, and they tell teams that if you want Harden, you better take Westbrook's contract along mm, with it. And whatever, that would be... You know, whatever remaining talent you know they have they have with it. Okay, like do you if think... The Knicks, if, if, if the Knicks want to bite, you know, like they can bite. If whatever team wants to bite, they can bite. But that's the only way I see Houston trading Harden is if they just the Knicks, like the Knicks would totally, totally do that. Do, the Knicks would totally do that. Do we think that J- or, or Russell Westbrook's contract is a net positive? I still feel like it's a net positive. It's it's a negative, negative, it's a negative. negative. I, mm, I don't know, man. Like it's a big negative. Next yeah. to James Harden, it doesn't exactly work. And if I have to take on both, I have my concerns, but. Russell Westbrook's an all-star caliber player, and he played like it for a brief moment this season. His athleticism, I mean, the way he plays, uh, just based on his athleticism, is going to diminish. And I, I, I love mean, how hard he plays, and I think he gets criticized more than he deserves for being, you know, quote-unquote selfish, but his game is going to... Just like you saw Draymond Green, uh, his game tank this season, I feel like we're going to see soon a tank in uh, Russell Westbrook's game. And, I mean, we saw this season when, you know, the the situations were a little tighter, right? Russell Westbrook's game, especially with a little bit more of, you know, his athletic uh, ability kind of diminished this year that you saw it comes up short. And, again, like, players like him don't age gracefully at all. And you're talking about OEM, like, $50 million in, in, in a couple years. That's just, I mean, that that's a poison pill contract right there. I don't... I don't think any team around the league views it as a positive asset. And that's why OKC wanted to get rid of them as, as quickly as they did. Mm. Well, I, didn't, didn't he ask out of OKC? That was my understanding that he well, uh, requested the whole, out. The whole OKC situation was that they hit it under wraps that, you know, they didn't want fans to know that Russ wanted out because of the whole narrative that KD is the traitor, like Russ is their guy. So, you know, they, they did the whole narrative writing thing. But, I mean, Russell Westbrook wanted out of there. OKC knew that they didn't have a good contract on their hands, and when Houston offered them four first, they were like, well, okay, like here you go. Right. Interesting, interesting. Let's move on to Victor Oladipo, another guy we just talked about, a guy who 
Um, might have some injury concerns. Let's, let's talk about Victor Oladipo, a guy who does have some injury concerns. What do you think his value is across the league? I think it's diminished and obviously not really a fault of his own um, just because of his injury. Uh, he was on, on what I would deem a great contract, just like, you know, Zach Levine, I think this next season, he's making $19 million, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, and Victor Oladipo is on 21. So, but the, the thing is, is that in the bubble, he didn't show to be great. Was he 100%? We don't really know. Um, but it, it'll be very interesting to see what other teams value his, you know, sort of player value, asset value uh, uh, this offseason. Hmm. It kind of sucks because it seems like Oladipo's like hamstrung the Indiana franchise into trading him off this offseason. And his value is also the lowest it's been, you know, during his time in Indiana. And I really hate it because I feel like I've said this so many times, but, you know, his first year in Indiana after he got traded, he looked like that looked like one of the best player team fits of, you know, any player team combination. Like Oladipo doesn't seem like quite, you know, a big city guy. Like he went to Indiana University, like he's back in Indiana. It seemed like the fans loved him a lot. You know, he loved Indiana. And again, like, I'm just not sure what happened, but... I feel like the value around, you know, the league for him is, is is really not great. So, like, I don't really know what Indiana can even net in this. But e- even though, I, I will say this, even though it's not great, there are certain teams that I feel like are more than willing to give up maybe what they deem more valuable assets when, when you know, coupled together, just to take a chance on him if he's like your – not even secondary, third star. Because uh, hmm. uh, then, you know, you're not in in dire need of Victor Oladipo to be like a D-Wade. If he's good, I mean, he, he's, he's okay, you know. Um, so I think there are certain teams that are willing to take that chance on him. Um, and after Reagan says this uh, proposed trade, I have a proposed trade too. Okay, all right, let's get into it. So... We talked about Victor Oladipo, and we talked about how the injury concerns lowers his value across the league. We have to get a team that has to take a risk. We have to get a team that, without taking this risk, they would never land a guy like Victor Oladipo at his peak unless it was through the draft. He's about to say Memphis. I'm about to say Memphis, Tennessee, boy. One of two places in the entire state of Tennessee to vote blue. That was just a funny thing to look at. But the Memphis Grizzlies, man, I've said it once on this podcast before. I'm looking at Dylan Brooks, Josh Jackson, and a 2021 first rounder for Victor Oladipo straight up. No. You can get more. Where? 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 Okay. Y'all just okay. y'all just bash yeah, this no, man's no, value. Let's, no, let's break this down player by player. Dylan Brooks, like, at best, he can be, like, a good role player. Role player. But yes. at normal, he's, like, a frustrating role player. And at worst, he's just a damaging role player. And mm-hmm. more often than not, he's a damaging role player than he is, like, a, a, a you know, a non-problematic role player. Let, let's put it that way. Josh Jackson um, is just awful. So to even to, for even He was dropping know, some 20 pieces last for, season, man. No, stop, stop. For for, no, for, me to, for me to even entertain this trade, you got to throw in Brandon Clark at the very least. I cannot do that. I can throw you Tyus Jones. 
I can throw you Kyle Anderson. Ben, this trade I can throw you. Yeah, no. Okay, you, know, you need you, you need someone with the inkling of, you know, like at, at like the ninetieth percentile might reach All Star upside. That's the kind of player you can maybe get in an Oladipo trade right now. Um, Brandon Clark, I think, might be that kind of guy where you know you, you look at how he did his rookie year. You think maybe he progresses well, even though he's on the older side. You know, for a rookie or sophomore player now. Um, that might get it done as a centerpiece, but again, like Dylan Brooks is a, I mean, Dylan Brooks, again, is a guy who, you know, not, not a ton of upside there. Josh Jackson's a guy who you have no idea what he's going to end up doing next year. Like half a season and stuff isn't getting you anywhere. And then you talk about the only meaningful asset in your deal would be maybe like it could be a lottery pick, but you know, depending on how Memphis plays, especially if Oladipo is good, that's well, this is know, Utah's pick. Rounder. This is Utah's pick. Well, okay. That's even well, that's probably going to be even lower than, than Memphis' Here's my thing, and I'm not going to cap. If I'm in Indiana's position, I would not accept this deal. But I feel like you have two options if you're Indiana. You accept a deal like this, or you ride it out with Victor Oladipo for one more year and you lose him for nothing. Because I don't think you're getting much more from that. I, I, like You talked about Russell Westbrook's are probably a net negative throughout the league. I feel like there's not any teams out there who's willing to take a, a flyer on Victor Oladipo when it means giving up uh, a guy that's potentially an all-star, even you know if it's it's uh, not feasible or if it's not likely that he reaches all-star ceiling. I'm not sure that there's going to be that many teams willing to give up you know crucial assets for a guy like Victor right now, which sucks I to say because I like Victor Oladipo I, I a lot. Think there's cert- I, I th- again, I think the only teams that are willing to take the fly-by risk on Victor Oladipo is if they need him to be your secondary or tertiary star, uh, and that's going to be the top teams that want to separate themselves from the pack. And um, I guess I can transition to my proposed... uh, So on my show, I'm going to be doing an episode called uh, What the Bucks Need to Do to Keep Giannis Having This Ideal Offseason. So two trades the Bucks should make. The first one is... I would trade Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez for Chris Paul and Darius Baisley and a first and the first round and a first round pick. Interesting. In the second trade, I would trade Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo, and a second round pick for Victor Oladipo. And I would rather have much rather have Eric Bledsoe, Dante DiVincenzo, and a second round pick rather than what you just said. Agreed. I would agree with that. Um and so the Bucks they would have Oladipo as their third star. CP3 at the one, Oladipo at the two, re-sign Wesley Matthews at the three, Giannis at the four, and uh, uh, Robin, Robin Lopez. <laughs> we'll, we'll go grab, we'll go grab Nerlens Noel or something. But honestly, like, I have more questions with the first trade than I do the second trade. Why would the Thunder do that? Because you're getting Chris Middleton in return for Chris Paul, who's not a part of your future plans. But is is Chris Middleton part of your future plans if you're if you're the uh, Thunder? He can be. He's what what is he at? Twenty eight. He's twenty nine, pushing thirty, I think. But like, I'm not totally sure. Even as the biggest Chris, <laughs> this is there. supposed I mean, to be your time, Eddie. No, I mean um, he's, he's twenty nine. Even so, I'd much rather have Chris Middleton. And as I mean, much as much baggage as I give Chris Middleton, I'd much rather have Chris Middleton. If I'm in the situation that the Thunder are, in. I'm not. I'm not sure it's a situation to where the Thunder has to choose between Chris Paul or Chris Middleton, though. You know what I mean? We'll get to Chris Paul 
But I feel like if the Thunder's giving up Chris Paul, they likely want, you know, young assets and picks in return. That seems like what the Thunder's whole spiel has been lately is give me young Chris players and, and picks. Chris Middleton would be your best player. I mean, immediately. Oh, yeah. But, like, sure. the Thunder, I don't, I don't think they're in the business of competing for, for chips or even playoff berths right now. They're just, could give me all the young assets and future assets that I can possibly garner um, so that I can make a move either for a superstar with it at some point down the line. Or I can just develop all these guys in house. He Chris Middleton just doesn't fit that timeline for me. I think just thinking about your second deal with the Bucks and Oladipo, if that's a deal that is on the table for Milwaukee, Bledsoe and DiVincenzo for uh, and a second for Oladipo, like they should take that. Oh yeah, immediately. I think. And I mean, this is in a situation where I'm thinking they have Depot, Middleton, and Giannis. Like that would be. A and, really, a, a really, really good team to me, and and, and yeah. it's also a better deal than Dylan Brooks and whatever. whatever. And, and in it a is. fair, in, in a fair world, I think the value with Eric Bledsoe, as much as I don't like Eric Bledsoe and Dante DiVincenzo, I, I maybe I'd rather have that considering Oladipo's you know injury history or the, the big injury he just had. But again, I feel like these top teams are so desperate to not, especially Milwaukee, not only to impress Giannis and convince him to stay. But also to just, you know, they're in that tier with the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nets, the Nuggets maybe, and they just want to separate themselves. So I think they, they take that chance to, you know, try and... I actually see it a little different where I feel like a team that's starved for star talent might, you know, give up more than they should for a guy like Victor Oladipo, who's kind of like a B. Not on, a, not on, not, not on when you only have one year on, on your uh, on your contract. But I feel like a team like the Knicks might be done, dumb enough to do something like that, that they might give up, you know, their 2020 this year and their future Dallas first that they got from the oh, Porzingis nah. deal. Nah, they wouldn't do that. I know, I, like, I, know, I know they have new management, and, you know, hopefully that they're a little smarter than the previous, like, 30, 30 GMs that they had. But, you know, like, I feel like a team like the Knicks, especially with Dolan at the helm, they might overpay for a guy like Oladipo, you know, who, who's not the top top tier kind of player but the kind of guy who might just like new york enough you know he's kind of a flashy kind of dude who might just want to stay there long term i mean for me it's like the mm, i don't know the knicks in the knicks are a team where it's like they're consistently on the stupid ass end of doing stuff where it's like you know i saw a rumor the other day that was like oh the knicks are interested in michael kidd gilchrist i was like why (laughs) just for what like what do you gain from that but you know, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, but I would hope that with all the new people that they brought in, that they're not doing stuff like that. Um, when you talk about a, a, a star-hungry team that just really, like maybe a Charlotte, um, perhaps like you, you throw a, I don't even know, man. PJ, I, think, I don't I'm think they throw PJ Washington. For Victor Oladipo, I'm not giving up uh, Devontae Graham me either. or I don't Bridges, think they would. Or Bridges or uh, the other. Washington? Yeah, PJ Washington. Mm. I mean, Charlotte has a better direction of what they're trying to do. The Knicks always, to me, seem like they're directionless, so they they might just pull the trigger for no reason on something like that. But I mean, let's just make it clear: there's like so many better deals than whatever Memphis has to offer. At least, can I dream? Can I dream? Can I dream? And am I allowed to have? Can I? Can I have hopes and dreams, please? Thank you. And you can be. Pra- you you can be pragmatic too. Mm, mm, mm. You guys just you know it's fine. You know what? We didn't even need him anyway. Jai's gonna be. Top 10 player in the NBA at some point. We're chilling. Moving on. Drew Holiday. Let's talk about it. 
Woo! I, I feel like this is going to be, or this has the potential to be uh, the game-changing trade um, of the offseason. Really? Again, this is the trade, I feel like, in my mind, that teams with two clear stars uh, plus assets, disposable assets that, that they're willing to give up for a third star, aside from their two stars, are willing to give up you know, in surplus to bring that third star on board. And before the report even came out, I had three teams in mind, which were the Nuggets with uh, Jamal Murray and Jokic, obviously, the Nets with KD and Kyrie, obviously, and the Warriors with Steph and Clay. And, you know, if you want to throw Draymond in there, you throw Draymond in there too. But, this guy's uh, greasing you know, Draymond, bro. <laughs> Eddie, um, stick up for your boy, man, please. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> So, so when I look at the Nets, I think what he would – so Drew Holiday is a great player who's not, you know, in that superstar rank. I, I put him a little bit below uh, uh, Bradley Beal, and, and their games are kind of different. Um, maybe, you know, some people would put them in the same category. Um, but what, you know, what I think it would take for the Nets to get him, it would be – Dinwiddie, Garrett Temple, Torian Prince, and Jarrett Allen. The two primary pieces are Dinwiddie and, and Jarrett Allen. Uh, uh, the, the Pelicans would be getting their starting center and obviously a scoring backup or starter uh, a guard in Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, and when I, look at the, when I look at the Nuggets, I feel like if you just trade Gary Harris, Will Barton, and Monte Morris, I feel like you, you can get plus, plus some picks. You could get Drew Holiday if you're the Nuggets, and then when I look at the uh, uh, the last one, what's the, the last Warriors? One? The Warriors. I feel like if, if you trade uh, uh, um, Wiggins, Kevon Looney, and and uh, Pascal plus the pick, obviously that they have this year, you can get Drew Holiday. And for if if I'm any of those three teams, I'm doing that. So I'm de- I'm doing those deals so fast. Just to get Drew Holiday. Man, the, the thought of a Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, Andrew Wiggins, Zion Williamson, Jackson Hayes lineup. That brings me joy. Brandon Ingram? Brandon, oh yeah, yeah. Throw, take, take, uh, <laughs> plus, take, plus the number, plus the number two pick? Take, take Josh Hart out of there, throw Brandon Ingram in there. That, that brings joy to my heart just to see what that would even look like from a gameplay standpoint. But but if you my my question to you guys if you're the Pelicans which deal sounds the best Andrew Wiggins Looney Pascal and the the pick that the Warriors have I mean, obviously to me by far the Nets like I feel like you almost made the Nets overpay there but between Dinwiddie and Jared Allen like to me Dinwiddie and Jared Allen's enough right there that's more than enough I feel like Dinwiddie but and picks salaries, would be enough the, the, the salaries just don't match that's interesting yeah I mean y'all, y'all know how how much I like Jared Allen um and Dinwiddie's a solid player too. I, I'm taking that hands down if I'm the Pelicans. I feel like may, maybe I'm seeing this totally wrong, but I feel like people are really overestimating Drew Holiday's um, value. See, right I'm now. with you. And I that, am with you. Wait, thing. I'm and with you. The, and, and that's the thing. But as I'm saying, I, I feel like his value isn't at that, but teams are willing to bring him on as the third star just to separate themselves even more. That, that, 
I'm not gonna say they're desperate. I mean, yeah, what, what you're preaching, Julio, is something that I think is a uh, is vitally important when we talk about trades. It's not like what is he worth to everyone. What is he worth to you? And that's really all that matters if I'm talking to you. But, like, but I don't but think he's worth teams, that much to anyone. I, teams, I'm a, I agree with you, Eddie. Teams, I'm saying like teams, unless they're like 100% in love with the player, um, or you're the Knicks, like you're not dumb. <laughs> you know, it's like, like you're only going to pay if there's leverage, right? And it takes two to have leverage. So if the team's not going to pay a certain amount for Drew Holiday, they're not going to give them like – incrementally more just to get Drew Holiday. Like, that's just not how yeah. it usually works around the league. And that, and it works for that for, like, free agents and, you know, salaries as well. You know, it takes two to have leverage, and teams are not dumb enough to just overpay for no reason. Unless don't tell, you don't tell me as a Warriors fan you wouldn't do that trade instantly, though. I, I actually... To I, be fair, oh I, I, I honestly <laughs> wouldn't. The idea of it's, having Steph... It's Pascal for him, bro. He, he ain't trying to give up Eric Pascal. Wait. It's, it's, not, it's not that... I just... I'm not convinced that Drew Holiday can play the three, and I know they do it a lot in New Orleans. Well, Clay could play the three. I'm just saying, like, if the if the Warriors liked having three guards in their lineup so much, I think they would have kept D'Lo, or at least they would have done point. something different with D'Lo than get but, Wiggins with it. But Drew Holiday is different than D'Lo. No, I know he is. Like, I know he can defend up. Like, I know he can defend, you know, bigger dudes. But I don't know. I, I don't really love the fit. I, I honestly, like, I like Drew Holiday as a player. I don't think he really fits on a team that already has Stephen Clay. But, you know, but like, okay, I, okay, I, I, I'll give you that. That the fit on the Warriors is the last, is the is the least best one out of these three teams. But you can't tell me that on the Nuggets, on the Nuggets side, you wouldn't do that instantly. Oh, no, I'm the, doing I was that. I was going to talk about on the Nuggets. That's the guy I want this off season. Mm. Um, yeah, because like I mean, sure. you have a you have a potentially you have a big four right there with with Michael Porter Jr., Drew, uh, Jamal Murray, and Jokic. Don't forget that, about Paul thing, I feel like, well, he's a, he he might be out of there, but I, so like circling back to my point about like I think we might be overvaluing Drew Holiday's market a little bit. An interesting comparison I feel like we'll be um, looking at last year's Mike Conley deal, and I know Mike Conley was two years older when he got traded. Um, he had two years left on his max deal, so there was a little less value there. I think Drew Holiday only has one, or maybe one in a player option. But again, like Memphis got back from Mike Conley, they got you know uh, two first rounders, both of them pretty low first rounders. Jay Crowder, like a solid veteran, uh, Grayson Allen, which was a guy who maybe has some upside, but you know probably not. And, and that's pretty much all they got from Mike Conley, which which is a guy who was you know really good for a long time, coming off of a really good season as well. So. Again, I feel like Drew Holiday is kind of in that same boat where he might get a little bit more because of Asian contract, but I don't think he's getting a, a, a superstars haul. Maybe not even like you know a stars haul. So, I so I don't know. I, I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of like two first rounders, like young upside guy. Like he's not yeah. going to get you know that kind of trade. I, I don't know. About I really that, don't see it. As much as I love Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie's not a freaking all star. So. I feel like that's more than fair. If, if you're the Nets too, it's like I'd much rather have Drew Hall. I, I think that's the best fit him, him them, or Denver because you pair uh, a Kyrie next to Drew Holiday. That that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Maybe. One one's an offensive, you know, assassin, and the other one's you know, uh, lo- locking up the other team's best player. Maybe it's just me, but I kind of want Brooklyn to stick with Kyrie and Katie and ride out the the depth that they have right now. 
Mm. I feel like that's just the, the best construction they can get. They don't, I feel like most teams can't handle three high usage guys. You know, the Warriors are the only team that figured out how to do that. I've never seen another team figure out how to handle three high but, usage guys. But Kyrie and KD don't. Joe Holiday doesn't need the ball like like Steph and KD. I get it, but even then, I feel like you might as well try to do stuff with your depth because they have such good depth pieces. You know, like and and especially if they get Drew Holiday, they might have to. You know, uh, they might not be able to re-sign Joe Harris. You know, like they might. You know, they might have to give Levert. I, I mean, your deal doesn't. I, I'm definitely with you, Eddie. I, I think you definitely gain more by keeping what you have than you gain by a, or you lose more by trading for Drew Holiday than you would get by just keeping what you have and writing it out. Um, I just think if you're if you're Denver, like that, I want to see Denver get Drew Holiday really bad because I think they can be really. They can. I mean, they took a, a, a leap this year. They can take another leap with them next year. Um, everyone's on the table except for Jamal, um, Michael Porter, and Jokic, pretty much. You know, and and let them work with that. Let me flip you on my deal. I didn't have any of the three teams. I actually had Dallas. I think that's another place where I mean, Drew Holiday is a guy that's going to fit in most places just because he doesn't need the ball. Um, and he can also use the ball as well. So, um, I have Dallas receiving Drew Holiday in exchange for, and I agreed with you a hundred percent, Eddie. I think that we might be overestimating Drew's value around the league. I just have Tim Hardaway Jr., Jalen Brunson, Justin Jackson, who really wasn't that good oh this God. year, and the 18th get, pick. Get the f- out of my face. You are not disrespecting me with that, bro. Yeah, Eddie, I, a, a, I, I feel like that's about yeah. what, sh- what he's worth around the league. Maybe a little bit more, but it's not going to be like... That's like that's like really low. I don't know about that. I mean, Jalen Brunson's good. Let's not... I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is also very good, and what you're getting if you're the Pelicans are guys that are going to yeah. immediately be able to fit in with your team. Plus the 18th pick. I'd much I, rather, uh, I, I think I think the the Nets would definitely give up Dinwiddie and Jared Allen as a baseline. To me, I think they would. Again, like I mean, they have DeAndre Jordan, who obviously Kyrie and KD love. Like, why do you need Jared Allen there? And again, because he's you know better. About centers like that. But all, because but he's all, better. But but also, but here's what here's what we need to understand with the Brooklyn Nets, um, and it kind of dawned on me when I was making the video, if the Brooklyn Nets should trade for Bradley Beal at first, I was like, probably not just because you have three guys who all score the same, but you have two guys who have a big, or, you know, KD coming off the Achilles two guys, you know, with a serious injury history, even KD back when he was on the thunder, I mean, his foot, he was out for like a whole year. So you have, and Kyrie's always out. So you have two guys, you know, who can easily go down at any point during the season uh, uh, to an injury. Having that third star potentially to fill in as a second star, if one of those guys goes down, that's super valuable to have. Because if you have two stars with great role players, uh, you know, uh, uh, an abundance of role players, if one of those stars goes down, one role player, I mean, one star player with those role players isn't doing anything. I mean, shoot, man. We saw what the, the Nets did without Kyrie on the court this year, though. They were fighting for a playoff team. Like, if you're talking about a, a team that's like, you know, has to survive 10 games without either Kyrie or, or Kevin Durant. I'm, I'm saying potentially like a few months if one of these guys goes down in the playoffs. Oh, if you go down in the playoffs, then you're screwed. Like, yeah, like, yeah that that's the that's the. That's but, your... okay. If if Kyrie goes down and you have KD and Drew Holiday, I'm, I'm I, that team can potentially still make it out of the East because you have KD. 
I, I suppose. It's, I see your point, but, you know, again, I feel like you lose more by giving up, especially Jared Allen. I, I, we can't slide by the Jared Allen. Let's not act like just plugging DeAndre Jordan in in place of Jared Allen is going to be like a, a, a net zero. Like, it, that's that's a substantial loss there. There's a reason why Jared Allen usurped DeAndre Jordan for the starter spot. Um, like, D, Jared Allen's I mean, it's a baller. Not, it's, not, it's not a big enough loss where, again, if they're getting that Drew Holiday, they're like, oh, no, you know, like, that – that's I mean that in tandem with losing for... Spencer did we? I feel like you lose I mean, again, a you, you get, lose a decent like, amount. Holiday. There. And again like Holiday, look... who's a better fit for your team and as much as again I, I love Spencer Dinwiddie. But you have four guys there who all can score 20 points a game. Might as well get off of one of them and plug in a defensive, you know, stout who can also get 20 but who doesn't need to get 20. Well, we saw with the Clippers, like, even though, um, you know, perimeter defense is obviously a premium, right? But you also need rim protection, and that's what they ended up lacking. DeAndre Jordan's not what he used to be, and right now you have one of the better rim protectors in the NBA in Jared Allen. I don't think you just give that up lightly. Unless you're willing to go get another guy, I don't think anyone's out there, if I remember correctly. But that, I mean, they, they, can, they can go get, I don't know, Ed Davis back. Oh, my God. Like Why do you always do this to the bigs? Ed Davis, Nerlens Noel. Rassault, like, we can just throw any old body down there. Throw Reagan Griffin to protect the rim, bro. Oh, my God. This is egregious. Let's move on, bro. Last no, one. Actually, well, I mean, no, oh, go ahead. Go I ahead. Mean, you, talk about, you talk about Dallas as a, as a candidate for Drew Holiday, and I think he, he is a dark horse candidate. I just think that because Dallas gave up the draft capital for Porzingis, you know, they're kind of strapped for picks, which puts them in a tough situation because I don't think Hardaway shifts the needle enough. Like, Brunson is okay, Seth Curry's okay, whatever. But they might they might get creative. I don't think they're going to do this, but if they if they did, I would, you know, I would be intrigued. If they want to get off of Porzingis while they can right now before his injury concerns really start, mm. you know, becoming a big deal. Because I think, I think he still has... He still has a lot of positive value around the league. And if you're in New Orleans, I mean, Porzingis next to Zion, I mean, you know, in a perfect world where neither of them get hurt, which is not likely, but, you know, that's an upside play like crazy. And if you're Dallas, you don't have to worry about giving up a ton of assets for Drew Holiday. You know, that's at a point where you can ask for stuff from New Orleans as well. Some of the stuff they got from AD, you know, in 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 that whole trade. I I think that's one of the quietest secrets even if it is real or not in the nba that they might want to be getting off of uh uh kp just because of his injury history and you know his tendency to not even be able to play in game so i think that's super interesting i mean that would just be interesting because it's like they traded for him right and they knew what they were getting because that was after the injury and then he came and played, and he was, you know, pretty good. Not what he used to be, but obviously you're still coming back from the injury. If they got off him now, that would just be like a weird kind of like give and well, go almost. it's not that. I mean, he tore, he tore his ACL, and I know like a guy like him with, you know, thin limbs, long limbs is more likely to, to kind of damage his body like that. But it's one thing to kind of, you know, tear your ACL on, on what is somewhat of like a fluky injury. But then, you know, to, to suffer like the meniscus tear on something like pretty nonchalant in the playoffs, like that tells you, and the same knee as well, like, you know, that again, like the, the second injury, especially like a cartilage tear, that can become a really big problem for a player, especially on his size. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Last but not least, we've gotten into this on this show before. Let's talk about Chris Paul. Maybe you guys have had a chance to step back, collect your thoughts. I know you were pretty uh, dead set in, in your estimation on Chris Paul's value. 
Julio, maybe you've had time to reflect on it further, but I have a doozy of a trade here. I can't wait to, to toss this to y'all because this is this is the one I spent a pretty decent amount of time on. So before we get into that, what do you guys think about Chris Paul? Um, I mean, again, I, I think his value goes to only goes to teams that a maybe you know the ones that Eddie mentioned that are super desperate like the Knicks for some type of star. But to me, it's mostly the teams that want that third player uh, to kind of push them over the hump because uh, they want to get out of that uh, five elite team group. You know, they, they want to get ahead. So I think that's the Bucks, the Clippers, the Lakers, and, and teams like that. So I think that's where you're going to get – if you're, if you're uh, the, the Thunder, that's where you're going to get most value. So Chris Paul already said that he wants to end up in New York and L.A., right? So yeah. I kind of expect him to pretty much – if not force Sam Presti's hand, but, you know, Sam Presti's a really good general manager. He understands relationships. He's not going to mess up the relationship with the, you know, Players Association president and send him to, like, you know, Milwaukee, <laughs> middle of nowhere. I mean, you Milwaukee know, wouldn't be, like, like a bad place, but, like, imagine he sent him to, like, freaking, gosh darn. I mean, it'd be like, it'd be like you should send him to OKC. Hey, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Hey. <laughs> but but again, like I think it's gonna be either New York, one of the LA teams, and I think Philly just because, you know, it's close enough to the to the urban urban location to, to you know the New York City, the, the northeast, the eastern seaboard that you know, I can see Philly happening. But New York New York or one of the LA teams. But, but here's there. here's my thing. If you're Chris Paul, you don't wanna go to New York. No, you don't. In this point of view, well, I mean, he does. In the, mean, in, in this economy, <laughs> I th- I think that, I think that's just throwing another team out there. Like if I had to choose, you know, a third team other than the Clippers and the Lakers, dang, uh, I guess I'm choosing New York. Uh, I'll choose. New York. I don't. I really don't think he's at the point of his career where he's just trying to ring chase. Well, and he's like, not. I'm, he's I'm he's serious. he said that. He said that in, in an interview with um Taylor Rooks uh, with Bleacher Report. He literally said. You know, I if I don't get a ring, I'm not gonna be you know losing sleep at night because I didn't go win a chip. I'm more concerned with like my family and how I'm raising my sons and things of that nature at this point in his career. I'm sure he's like it's an interest of his, but it won't be the end all be all. I agree with you, and that and that's why I think the Knicks and, and I know we clown on the Knicks and we'll continue to clown on the Knicks, but that's why the Knicks make sense for him. Like Manhattan, Madison Square Garden, New York City. That's a you know, you, they get a high-profile guy they haven't got since Melo. You know, and it's like, I think Chris Paul wants that. So, you know, I know the Knicks are a shit show or whatever, but that's something I think he will genuinely, you know, invite with open arms playing on the Knicks. So I, I think of two things here. And one, I think about Chris Paul's competitiveness, right? And, you know, although he's not going to be ring-chasing, I can't imagine he's going to want to go somewhere where he's almost guaranteed to go put up duds night in and night out as a from a team perspective right I don't think he's in the business of going and dropping 25 and 10 and and losing by 15 every night um two this is kind of more subtle I don't even know if I'm, I'm reading too deep in between the lines here but the fact that you have this war between Leon Rose and Rich Paul the fact that you have the attachment of Leon Rose to the Knicks and Chris you know Chris Paul and LeBron James are boys I wonder if that makes him a little bit more hesitant to try to you know what I mean that's that maybe is just pure speculation on my part but I feel like I that could play a factor I don't know if there's even any animosity between Leon Rose and Rick Paul there's just obviously like Leon Rose is trying to set up camp 
in New York with CAA mm-hmm. just trying to do that. But I don't I don't think there's actually any like animosity. It's not blood, but it's like you're I, it's like uh, Adidas and Nike almost. You know what I mean? You you don't you you compete, I guess. Mm. Interesting. But can we get into my doozy of a trade? You have, like, what, a five-team deal? Like I have a four-team deal, right? And I've been saying this for the longest. I talked about it with one of my friends earlier. It just didn't make sense to me how Chris Paul could get to the Lakers, right? From a financial standpoint, the cap just doesn't work. But I went to work. I'm like, let's see. Let's figure this out. Let's work some Daryl Morey magic here. So I tried a bunch of three-team deals. But I'm looking at the three-team deals. Sometimes it worked out from a money standpoint. But then I'm looking at the deal. And I'm like, no one's going to take that. That doesn't make any sense. This only benefits the Lakers. So I went to a four-team deal. So I'm going to break down what I think each team in this deal is trying to accomplish before I get into the deal itself. OKC, I've said it before, OKC wants young assets and they want picks. The Lakers, you want Chris Paul. Philadelphia, you're Daryl Morey. We know what Daryl Morey is about. Daryl Morey is about extrapolating every ounce of value out of the team that he currently has. I think that he accomplishes that in this, particularly if he wants to pursue a James Harden trade down the line. Finally, I have Detroit in here. And Detroit's a team that I think is in pretty much blow it up mode. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. You need to accept big contracts and accept assets along with that. So, with that said, I have Oklahoma City receiving Kyle Kuzma, Matisse Thybul, Taylor Horton Tucker, Christian Wood via a sign-in trade, three second-round picks from Philly. If you're giving up Chris Paul, do we feel like that's fair? Do we feel like that's a, that's a decent deal for giving up Chris Paul's contract? So I'm taking the they silence might, is good. I'm, I'm, they, they the, might, I'm saying like they might want a first somewhere. And I know you love Christian Wood like way more than normal people. The unicorn. That, but that's not that's not terrible. I, I, that's no, not terrible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's a no. It's a no. I have the Lakers getting Chris Paul and a second round pick from Detroit. The second round pick is indifferent. That's me as a Lakers fan saying, let me try to get something else here other than Chris Paul. But. I'm really indifferent about the second round pick. Essentially, you're getting Chris Paul. Philadelphia, you're getting Danny Green. You're getting Contavious Caldwell-Pope. You're getting Speed Mikhailu. You get to keep Josh Richardson. Uh, Let me just interject here. Mm -hmm. Philly, with those, and and as disappointing as Danny Green was, um, I do think that's a little bit due to the L.A. spotlight, like Reagan and I always touch on. But Philly, with those three dudes... People people don't know how good Sfi is. You're getting shooters. I I, I love just, just like I love Alex Caruso. Sfi Mikhailu was that dude, bro. He could he can ball. He can ball. So Julio's excited about this. Eddie, how are you feeling? I'm just so Philly's giving up just Matisse Thybul to this point. They're getting they're giving up Matisse Thybul, and then they're also giving something to Detroit. Um, we'll get into that. Oh, okay. All right. So. And they're also giving up three second round picks to uh, OKC. Okay, that's not that's not that's not bad. That's not bad. That's great. Finally, Detroit receives Tobias Harris for cap purposes. That's the big contract that you're taking on. Damn, he's going back to Detroit. He's going. He's <laughs> going full circle, right? <laughs> you're also getting Javale McGee for strictly cap purposes. You're getting three firsts, two of which are from Los Angeles, one of which is from Philly. 
And they gave up Christian Wood, and that's it. And they gave up Christian Wood, who in this scenario, he was dipping anyway. So it was a signing trade. I think that's a, get, I think that's an even deal all, all all the way around. That's, I mean, yeah, like genuinely, that's actually pretty Let's impressive. Do it! Come on, put <laughs> me in. I'm just I'm just curious to see uh, or to know how many hours <laughs> bro i was i was getting gray hair over it i'm like over my computer like oh, how is this gonna work who's the team that let, works let, let, me, let me just say this so as much as i love chris paul i love his competitiveness i love how he plays um here's my thing rob palinka came out and said said on a podcast i I, for, I forget which one and it's obvious what he said as not only, as a sensible Lakers fan and as the Lakers GM and whatever head of basketball operations, you want to do two main things. You want to compete right now, which may mean getting a third star right to to help bolster this team. But ideally, you want that third star. And here's the second thing you want to be young. Why do you want him to be young? Because as LeBron is aging and mm-hmm. will eventually retire, you don't want AD to dip. Right. AD dipping means A, you're going to be atrocious, and B, you sent all the assets to get AD away. So you're going to be left with the Kendall Marshalls, uh, 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 you know, the team we had, you know, for, for six years that was, you know, straight garbage. So as a Lakers fan, who, you know, I, I bleed purple and gold again, as much as I love Chris Paul and I believe he would have put us over the hump and by far the favorites to win it this next year. I don't think it's, it's uh, necessary to the point to where we're not going to be competitive without him because by getting him, we're sacrificing our years, you know, post LeBron and our, our ability to get, you know, pair another young star next to AD to grow with AD. So I don't know if it'll be worth it in the end. That's why the the number one person that the Lakers should go after this year is Zach Levine. He's young. His contract is only nineteen million dollars, so you can make the salary work. All right, let me get, um, let me get back in the lab. I can do this. <laughs> so again, going back to CP as again as much as I love CP and he would put us over the hump this year, I just don't think it's worth it sacrificing our future because AD is going to get. I'm with you to an extent, and the one of the things that I made sure I did in this deal was make sure that the Lakers, in giving up their first-round picks, they kept the one that they have this year. Because I like the guards at the later part of the draft. When we talk about um, Cassius Winston, we talk about Tyrell Terry. I think that those are guys that may be available for the Lakers at that point, and a guy that you come in with Chris Paul, and you're able to develop them to a certain extent. But I do think this, man. I know it's scary because we just went through it as Lakers fans. I know it's scary to at the prospect of being bad for some years and getting skated on by Anthony Davis and being left with nothing, right? That's a scary prospect. But if you have an opportunity to go win a chip, you do yeah, everything that, in your that, power that, to go win the, the chip. Yeah, that, that's the argument, obviously. Are, are you willing to, to, to you know, get a chip almost, I don't want to say assuredly, but You'd have a great, amazing chance to get a chip, even if it means, you know, being atrocious, Take, taking that chance for AD dipping. So, I mean, if you're the you Lakers, you those. If you're the Lakers, you have to, because you know that in six years, 
you know, Zion Williamson is going to be knocking on, you know, whoever's the GM's doors to be going to the Lakers. You know that. <laughs> yeah, that's an added bonus. That. You know, yeah, but are we going to have you know that assets? No, it doesn't matter. They're going to come there as free agents, you know, when there's no contractual obligations. It's the Lakers. They can do whatever they want. They can be, you know, a shit show for six years, and they can land the two, you know, a top five players in the league. Because, again, it's the Lakers. That's you, that you know, purple privilege, baby. Some teams, right, if they mess up, they're bad for 30 years. That's not the Lakers' case. Like, they can rebound in an instant because you know that free agency market is always open for them. So you don't have to worry about picks for, you know, 20 years. If, if they can get a chance to make them the overwhelming favorites, they, they better go for it. So here's, here's the other, yeah, here, here's the other thing. I'm not tripping over THT, but I, I loved what he showed in the bubble. So I just want to throw that out there. So I, that's what I was going to add uh, before we get up out of here is that if you're the Lakers, you're basically giving up Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker, you're giving up two first-round picks, Danny Green, KCP, all to get Chris Paul. That's kind of a lot. Wait, where the, where, where, where are the two firsts coming from? So apparently the way they've done it, like they have picks to give because I didn't do it through the NBA trade machine. I did it through um the one that calculates like what picks you actually have available to trade. Yeah. So um I want to say 20, 25 and then 20. Like it was it was a pretty obscure ones, but you get to keep this year's and you're giving up two in like the middle between the boatload that we have to give to uh to uh the Pelicans down the line. Um, and right now it's somewhere in between. I see. The only question about that whole 14 deal is this, um, you know, obviously this is supposed to be at its core, a Lakers thunder swap. So if you're Philly and like, I think the idea of getting ski, um, KCP and Danny Green, like that's cool, but it's like, do they have a reason to involve themselves in this deal? And the same thing with Detroit. Like, I know like the getting, getting the picks is nice, but you know, when they really give up Christian Wood, who you love and I think is good, you know, maybe they want to keep him. Again, you know, I'm like, operating under the assumption that Christian, Christian Wood was dipping. Things. Yeah, Christian yeah, Wood so was dipping. If, if that's the case, you better get something in return. Well, yeah. I mean, I think Detroit has rights over him, right? Isn't he restricted? So whether he's is dipping he? or not, like, Cause I, I would think so because he's, he's, he's a first-time free agent. So Yeah, but he was undrafted. First, first I feel like time. sometimes that's different when you have an undrafted guy. Um, sometimes their contracts Maybe. are formulated different. For in terms Not a of Philly, expert. yeah, me, <laughs> yeah. But for Philly, right? I had a two pronged goal. If I'm Daryl Morey, prong one was if I don't do anything else, I now have shooting around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Prong two was if I am going to go try to get James Harden, they're going to want you know. Essentially, if I'm looking at Steven Silas, he's not going to want to get a young rebuilding team. I feel like he's going to want to put a team out there that's going to compete. So they'd rather have veterans than they would rather have uh, the Matisse Thibels and uh, who's the other cat I put in there. Like they, they'd rather have that than the young assets. I, I would assume Houston I, would. I just think I feel like if you're Daryl Morey though, like KCP, Danny Green, um, and C is you know really good, but that's a really heavy price in terms of salary and assets you're paying. For it those is. shooters, when I think that on the market they can yeah, get commensurate like, shooters, you know, also you, you can get a lot of shooters on, on the market for cheap. But he, here's the other thing with Philly: uh, as much as Tobias Harris disappointed this year, um, he's their only perimeter scorer. True, and and letting go of that might be dangerous if you're Philly, just for some shooters. 
But so does Daryl Morey care? That, that that's true. But if you if if, if there's a scenario I mean, sure. in which if, if if there's a scenario in which you can give up Josh Richardson instead and keep uh, uh, Tobias Harris, oh, you kept jo- you kept Josh Richardson here. No, no, no I'm I'm saying. Oh, you're saying Tobias okay, got you, got you. Give up Josh Richardson, then it becomes very appealing. Interesting. All interesting stuff. I'll go out right the kinks. I'll spend another three hours over my computer. But we're over an hour here, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Any last words? We didn't address all the trade rumors that are floating around, but I feel like we hit all the uh, the major ones. Any closing statements I, before we close it out? I do want to say that in general, I feel like, obviously, it's the off season. It's trade machine season. People love busting out hypothetical trades. I think outside of the superstars, I think casual fans really overvalue just how much a player can net in a deal. Mm. As in, they overvalue how much you know a, a proven player that's getting traded elsewhere can net in terms of young athletes. Because you know a lot of teams uh, or a lot of people will look at Drew Holiday, like I said, and talk about like two young players and, and a bunch of picks. Like it doesn't work like that. Like if, if you look at the history, um, you got to be Anthony Davis, you know, to land an absolute haul. Otherwise, you know, the deal is going to be just okay enough where it could be game-changing, but in all likelihood, it might not be. And that's usually what ends up with trade. So that, that's just a general message. I think a lot of people really, really overvalue yeah. the value of, of players. My, my final word is just I, I hope L.A. can get their hands on Chicago. Chicago doesn't – I mean, uh, uh, Zach Levine. Chicago doesn't <laughs> The entire city of Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> Chicago doesn't need Zach Levine for where they're at, and Zach Levine would fit – I mean – perfectly next to AD and LeBron being that third star for now, transition going to transition as the second star as he ages. And he's only 26. He's only making 19 mil so that you can make the salaries work. And I, I just think that would be a beautiful fit. Um, and then once you max him out, you have him and AD going forward. Uh, so I think that's the ideal offseason for the Lakers. Mm. I'll say this before we get up out of here, man. The fact that we had this news that the season is going to start on the 22nd just made this. And I talked about how it's going to be real tough on front offices. It's also going to be real interesting for us because these are going to be, if we see, you know, even half of some of these names that we see floating around get traded, it's going to come real quick and they're going to have to make these moves like rapid fire and the fits are going to have to, uh, uh, the, the, the chemistry is going to have to be found very quickly for a lot of these teams. So it's going to get really interesting, especially if we see some of these guys move around like we think they will. So I mean, think said, about it. Training camp, training camp starts in three weeks. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I'm Victor Oladipo, I don't know where the hell I'm going to be at. You know, so it, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting. But that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. As always, by the way, you guys kind of greased me with the voting. I'm pretty sure I won the backup draft, but that's besides the point. Oh, we should announce that at the beginning. I win. I win. Anyways, <laughs> no. Julio, hats off to you. You won the backup draft. Um, I believe it went Julio. Then I was uh, second. Then Eddie got last. He kind of greased him on Ed, on Julio's page. Your, your voters. I don't know if you told him not to vote for Eddie or not, but four votes seems kind of egregious. I didn't even think Eddie put that bad of a team together. But I digress. That'll do it for this episode. As always, go tune in to the Twitter and the Instagram. That's at SQR1Hoops. All the great stuff going on down going on down there. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.